you smell what the rock is cooking? Yo, what is up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined tonight by my producer, not AAA, but a producer, Jim Cross, and the man himself, Big Daddy Storm, and we're talking all things wrestling tonight. We got a lot of headlines to throw at you. We got new Royal Rumble location. We got the acquisition that WWE is now no longer under the supreme rule of Vince McMahon. We got to talk the PWI top 10. We're going to give you the summary, give you the recap of all things wrestling this week, and especially the SmackDown that we're not going to forget with the man himself, The Rock, Pat McAfee. We're going to talk Becky Lynch, the whole nine. So stick around. We're going to get right to it. Let's ring the bell. Let's get into it. Let's talk wrestling. some wrestling i got the man himself big daddy storm chad martin with us and chad before we get into it man i gotta plug our sponsor chinook cedary this episode is being brought to you by them the official sunflower seed of not just baseball players not just wrestlers not just bored people that are sitting in the office trying to pass time anybody that wants a flavorful snack that wants craft seeds no junk they got all the flavors you can think of from wild to mild my personal favorite sitting right here on my desk got a little bag full of the parmesan pepper i also got the smokehouse barbecue and believe it or not i haven't tried it yet but it's uh unopened but soon to be open probably first thing tomorrow when i'm in the car getting ready to head and get my day going but chat i i got i gotta get to you man it's uh wrestling is is in the air man and you've had a chance to sit in the nice you know beautiful sunny beaches of, of florida man you're feeling good i saw a picture of you with you know you know obviously one half of the the bluff cedar wrestling tag team champions you're, you're so soaking in the water with the belt just showing it off showing everybody man i gotta ask what's going on in your world man how are you dude great and let me tell you something being one half of the Bluff City Tag Team Champions, by far the longest reigning champions in Memphis, period, for the last few years. With, uh, we decided we want to take a little vacation. We head down to Florida, your neck of the woods. Sure. And let me tell you, we have done nothing but party with our baby girls. And I'm talking about those beautiful Bluff City Bells all weekend. The saddest part was we had to leave Florida to go home and deal with the trash that usually tries to come after our gold. So, look, it's been we've been up and down the roads for the last few weeks, hot and heavy. Um, won an individual championship at another company. My partner did the same thing, and now 
I think we kind of made a pact. It's time to take all the gold in Bluff City. You know, I was going to ask that. Like, how much gold is left? I mean, obviously, you, you got you there's a stalled vehicle different... Oh, there's a stalled vehicle ahead. Let's get it. Let's maybe they want some. Maybe I'm they sorry, want some. I'm sorry, y'all going to deal with Alexa sticking her nose in all I'm the way you. here. Well, when you're when you're the champion, not only the tag champion, but uh, you know you got other championships with you. Everybody wants in your business. They want to be either a part of you or they want to try to pull you down. So, I got to ask you. You obviously are headed back to the Bluff City. What is going on once you get back to the Bluff City? You refresh, you're relaxed, you're sunny. You got a little gold, golden tan to you. You're looking good, man. Like, what's up? Yeah, I appreciate it. But we get you, know, you got to get re-energized. You got to re-energize your batteries a little bit. And- you know, if, if anybody's been watching Bluff City for any extended period of time, one thing has been obviously clear to anyone who watches, and that's Brody and myself, along with our manager, who is one half of Memphis Vice. That's old school right there. Have been the most dominant thing in Bluff City, and not in just Bluff City, but in the whole Memphis area. When we come out, the energy level goes up, everybody gets excited, and they know that we mean business. So we have people coming after our titles left and right, but we noticed one thing in particular is happening at Bluff City. The champions who carry those other belts, namely the Bluff City Heavyweight Championship and the Southern Heavyweight Championship, are trash. They're not good. They don't deserve to carry those belts. Who deserves that is Brody and myself because not only are we a great tag team, we are great singles wrestlers. We do it all. We're very well-rounded. And so our pact was we're going to go in here to Bluff City when we get back. And we're going to start steamrolling everybody else until you can prove that you can stick another actual professional wrestler in the ring with us and get the job done. And that's kind of where our mindset's at. It's been great coming back from Florida, rejuvenated to feel that motivation to get out there and get it done. You, you know what I? You know what I hear? This, this is exactly what I hear. Everyone in Bluff City is now on notice. Oh yeah. So you, you better get ready because the boys are coming. All right. There's not enough gold for them shoulders, and there's not enough gold for them to carry. They want it all. They want the smoke, and they're coming for it. They're not dodging anybody. They're not ducking anybody. You run your mouth, you're going to get punched. So I can't wait. I can't wait for you to get back. I'm excited. Dude, and that's what it's all about. We try to teach these young guys, you're not motivated if you don't – if you don't have enough gumption yourself to set a goal and go achieve that goal, hell, that's on you, man. And we are all about setting goals and just smashing them down. Because people, you get to a point where people say, you can't do it. I hate being told what I cannot do. My partner hates being told what he cannot do. And so we take it pretty personally. And that's why you're striving to be the best. I mean, you're basically, you're separating yourself from everybody else and it, it is not even close it's not even close but I, I gotta talk wrestling with you let's let's get into some of these headlines um obviously if 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 you don't know well the royal rumble which is my personal favorite event and, and i think it just stems back to a kid to being a kid and like that's you know just the action and the anticipation of who's coming out next and any surprises but it's coming to my hometown, Tampa Bay, in January. So I, I, I got to ask, in regards to the Royal Rumble or any, like, Royal Rumble-style match, are you a fan of those type of matches? The Royal Rumble is actually my favorite uh, pay-per-view or premium event, if you want to call it that. Now, it always has been. I love the Royal Rumble-style match. 
And I, I like that there's something on the line for winning the Rumble. It's just not saying, oh, look, I won a Battle Royal. It's always been unique. And you know what you're going to get with it for the most part. But in here, almost, with the exception of maybe a couple, you see some unique things that make sense in the Rumble itself. It's just a lot of fun to watch. It's just absolutely my favorite. And Tampa's going to be a fun place to do it. We just drove through Tampa. Well, I mean, we, we've had WrestleMania, but I think we've had the Rumble back before I lived here. But I'm excited. I'm definitely on the list to, to get the, the notification when tickets go on sale because I want to be the first to get mine. Storm, I just want to send this invite out to you, man. If you're in town or you want to come, let's go. I'll do it. Yeah, let's Hell do it. Yeah. Do it yeah, out we'll, there. We'll tear, we'll tear it up. We'll have a good time. Um, you know, more importantly, we'll just get to look and, and just – shine and I'll, I'll get i'll get a little shine just being next to champions so that, that's kind of like the selfish you know of me to invite you down but I, I want some of that shine too i'm not gonna fight you yeah, I'll, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll take some of the rub from you but the second thing that's big in the news of wrestling is you know wwe is now you know turning the reins so to speak um and it's not so much run by Vince McMahon. He's still a shareholder, but not majority shareholder. He just sold off a bunch of shares and he's taken a step back, kind of. So this is the first time that I can think that he's ever shown any type of will to give up any monicum of power. So I guess my question for you is, do you believe that he is no longer the guy pulling the strings or is he just, it's just always going to be in him to do that? Well, I think the biggest thing with this was that, you know, Vince, Vince is always and will always be associated with WWE regardless of what power he has. And when, when you talk about WWE, you got to talk about Vince McMahon and what he did. So I think a lot of the whole selling purpose was we got to bring him back for the, for the sake of the sale. And to convince board members and shareholders that this is a good thing and, and a good business move. Now, going forward, I think Triple H is probably your best bet to actually run the company and bring it into the into a new era because he's he, Triple H is one of the guys that has his actual finger on the pulse of professional wrestling. He's never been whether you like the guy or not. It's besides the point. And but the guy's a genius of what he does and he understands it. And Vince, as much as I love Vince McMahon, the things he's been able to come up with and do, he's just way outdated right now. And I think, and who knows, but I, I just don't think that Vince himself is, I think they used him to guide what they needed out of him, but I think you'll see more and more of that power peel back. Yeah, I want to say that I read something that when he took over control, or majority majority shareholder, or I don't even think they were publicly traded back then. They weren't. Um, but it, when he bought the company, it was for a million dollars. And I think this latest valuation was over a billion with a B. So when you yeah. talk about taking something from nothing and building it into an empire, like the guy for that alone, you you gotta you gotta respect that. Um, I do agree with you in a sense that there are things, you know, it's it's kind of like the the ebbs and flows and transitions of 
of wrestling and he did a great job of of the ebbs and the flows and staying relevant and staying hot and staying new but i would say probably the last 10 or 12 years have been i think more so towards the last five but i, I would say it's it's been a tough sledding for him as far as the criticism he's getting on creative and and being fresh and being new and i think it's a lot about what you said like at some point you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's what's hot and you need a young guy that can find those things out and dig for those and i think you know not that triple h is the youngest guy but i think he has a little bit of juice left in him to do that because he's not one of those guys that's still in the ring wrestling and he maybe would if he could um but i think he has a, a good idea of what people want to see or he surrounds himself with people that know what fans want to see um, oh yeah no doubt you know so I, i'll ask you do you are you intrigued in this move are you looking are hopeful and like because i, I, I think that you always want to be hopeful you're always hoping that they're going to actually put the pieces in place to move the product forward. That the wrestling business itself will continue. Now, I say this all the time, and I 100% believe it. WWE is more sports entertainment than it is professional wrestling. I'm a well, professional wrestler. That's more sports entertainment. But I still love it. I, and I still watch it. And I just want it to be good. Because you right. can have your cake in 82. You can have both things. I just want WWE to be good and have things make sense. I think that's where Triple H comes in and he's best at. And you've got a lot of the guys and the producers in the back, like your Michael Hayes, who live this world and breathe this world and understands it. You have to have those guys. My only concern is you start bringing in outside people who do not understand professional wrestling, and you have another WCW. Because you can, WCW is proof that you can take a company that was on top, because they were, and you can totally demolish it in five years' span. Yeah, and I mean, it. yeah, and... You know, even even before, you know, NWO, let's say, WCW was, it was, it, it took a guy like Goldberg to really, like, infuse something because you had your, your sting, you, but you, you had, like, the, the blonde hair and face paint sting, the red and the blue. Um, you had your Ric Flair, but, you know, I think, Ric Flair really wasn't a WCW guy. Like he had to, I think it, it took a lot of work for him to be considered a WCW guy. I think a lot of people were like, no, it's a NWA guy. Like that's, that's what he's about. Yep. Um, but you know, you're right. It, it's, you don't want that WCW. You don't want that, that five year. Oh, it's, it's hot. Now you want some sustained, you know, drive and durability um for you know when when my kids you know get my age i want it to still be around i still want to be watching it and enjoying it and participating and going and, and being a fan um so i'm interested to see what what this acquisition does and and what the direction is and i think you're right um hopeful has got to be the word that you you gotta that you gotta use just because we love we love the product um oh absolutely so the, the last little headline I want to get to before we start unpacking the, 
all the wrestling that that occurred this week is PWI, the top 500 list came out, the top 10 was revealed. So the first question is the list itself. Is that a big deal? It used to be. Uh, it used to be amongst the boys all the time. I mean, if you could get on there, even if you were, my partner was actually in the top PWI top 500. So he actually made the list, and it's a big deal. Back then, you thought, if I could just make this national and worldwide magazine as a professional wrestler, you were doing something. Now, over the years, it's become less and less of a big deal because, like the Saturday, like so many other things, it's become more political motivated than anything else with the people who make it up. But to me, it, it can still be a good thing. I just don't know how much I agree with them. When I saw the top 10 on the top 10, I was like, okay, this is not truly the top 10 of the PWI. There's no way this is your top 10. I don't have a problem with Seth Rollins being number one. No, I think um, we'll, we'll get into it. I, I just, I think there needs to be a clear delineation of, and I think you said it earlier, a pro wrestler and a sports entertainer. Yep. Because... To me, a sports entertainer can garner popularity from the pomp and circumstance and the machine that can be pushed behind them. But that doesn't make them a good pro wrestler. And when I look at PWI and the, the root and what it, what it is, I think it's the best pro wrestler. You know, and so... Yeah. The, the, the top 10, let's get into it. And, and I'll say this. I don't think the top 10 is a, any indication of the best pro wrestlers. I think it's no, a mixture of guys that have worked really hard and have had sustainability and they've made something out of nothing or they've been taken by the machine and they've you know harnessed every bit of it and, and, and maximized it. Um, but we'll start with 10 and work our way up to one. Number 10, Cody Rhodes. Um, Cody Rhodes, obviously, you know, started in WWE. You know, everybody knows the family lineage. Went over to AEW from the ground up, worked, worked it, got it going, got it running, and then went back to WWE. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say one way or another, but here's my only only grief with Cody Rhodes is that he was hurt for the majority of the year. So like, where does that factor in with being in the top 10? You know, I don't know who number 11 is. I think that would be probably the case that you would have to look at of comparison. Like yeah. why did he, why was he 10 and not 11 when he only wrestled for half the year or half of the, the, the rating. Oh yeah. For this. And I think the thing with Cody Rhodes is we all know his talent level. It's there. His pedigree, of course, is there. And Cody can do it all. I mean, he can talk. He can sell. And he's not afraid. And I think, and I think this is one of the reasons why he's at least number 10. I, I've got him hired. But because when he got hurt, he tore his peg. He still came out there and had a match. How many other guys would just quit? They wouldn't show up. Right? They're just, oh, I'm done until I, I get better. And not Cody, because he knew how much this meant. And who his daddy was, he's seen what his dad went through. The injuries he still had to wrestle with. And Cody is an actual true professional wrestler. He works in sports entertainment. So he, he can do the pomp and circumstance, but his is not over the top. 
Cody draws you in. Cody is a true professional wrestler. And I think Cody should be higher on this list. I I agree with that. Um, and and for a, a lot of the reasons, and you know, here's the thing: Have you ever torn a pack? No, I torn my quad. So when you tear something, like there's pain. There's obviously doing what you do differently. And he was able to do that on a grand scale. But obviously, too, with with Cody Rhodes, like what his daddy was about was about being a blue-collar guy, being that hard worker and not letting anything hold you down. And when you don't feel your best, you're still going to go out there and do the best you can. And he had no choice but to go out there. And he put on a show, an, an amazing show. And oh, yeah. Had, I always wonder, had he not been hurt, would it have altered his course any? Because obviously, you know, Seth Rollins then becomes the guy who then becomes, you know, heavyweight champion for the first time. And, like, could that have been Cody had that injury not happened and we could be saying Cody at number one and not number 10? Yeah, I think as far as his listing, he would be definitely be up higher easily because then we wouldn't have to ask any of the questions, right? right. Um, but who – and that's the problem with that is you play against the game. It's like who really knows? But because I think Cody's trajectory wouldn't be much different than it is. Yeah. Because I'll never believe 100% that he was taking that belt off Roman Reigns before WrestleMania of this coming year happens. I just don't think it's going to happen that way. No, I think – yeah, I, I think what WWE or whoever is writing this story, I think this was a long, long, slow burn story, and I think it's got a lot of layers to it. And I think I, – I don't think WrestleMania in uh, Los Angeles last year was the time that they were ready to culminate that story. Now, in Philly coming up, possibly. And – you know, we it might, we, we might, yeah, we might be there. But getting back to the list, you got Josh Alexander at nine, Orange Cassidy at eight. Um, anything about Josh Alexander or Orange Cassidy? Do they, is that ring a bell? Does that strike anything with you? Do you well, it's not, I mean, I just don't, I don't consider those top 10 guys. Orange Cassidy is popular, he's super popular. And he will do anything and everything to his body. And again, that's not my style. It's not something that draws me in as a wrestling fan. I, I need story and I need substance. I need to know that these guys are out here doing it. Doesn't look, doesn't weigh 120 pounds. And it's just, you know, it's, it's that's, a, but that's the great thing about wrestling, right? There's a little bit of everything for everybody. And certain people go, they just gravitate towards certain things. For me, it's all about the wrestling. And it's all about what it does to you and how it makes you feel, and not the not, not the pop of the spot. I don't get off on the pop of the spot. I need substance for the whole match, and I, like I said, I like Orange Cassidy, but uh, I'm just not impressed with. He's not a top ten guy. Anytime you put your hands in your pockets, you'll kick somebody's ankles real lightly. The first time that happens, he's probably getting buried between the bottom of the ring. Yeah. So with him, like. I here here's what I'll say. First thing is out of all the people on the list, he's 
defended his title or what used to be his title. He no longer has it, but he defended it three times more than anybody else on the list and won every single time. And whether that's popularity, whatever the case may be, he did a good job of getting himself over. He had a little gimmick that he mastered and he got people to buy into it. And yeah, you're, you're right. When you, you have to suspend disbelief a good amount with him to understand oh, yeah. that, you know, I'm going to, you know, suit my super kick to you is going to be a small little tap in the shin. But, you know, I, I think he's done everything he's asked. And what I will say is I like him better now, right? Prior to losing against John Moxley, he was able to cut a promo. He was able to show some emotion. He was able to, like, get fired up and, and, and fight. So maybe this is kind of the turn for him. We'll see. Um, I don't have any problem with him being in the top 10, but I, I kind of I agree with you. Like, it, it, this could be a little bit of a popularity contest with him. But here's the thing, real quick, is that with, with him, he has talent. I mean, it's obvious when you watch it. Right. It's just some of the some of the little things need to go away because he know, he knows how to engage a crowd. It's just the silly things that to me neuter him a little bit than what he needs to be. You need to let this man just go and then yeah. see what he can really do. Do you think being in a faction like helps or hurts you? Depends on he's... the factions. There are way too many of them right now. And be, look, being a faction can be fun, and it can be helpful if it helps the entire group. The problem is you see a lot of factions are only helpful for the leader of the group. That right. they don't really help everybody else. That it, it seems like the rest of the group is just a, a comedy of errors, right? They're just there to help the main guy get over and stay over. Right. And that's what, and that's what a, a, a top guy can't do. And in the faction, if, like the four horsemen were all about each other. It wasn't just about me being Ric Flair or you being Tony Blanchard. It was about Arn Anderson. Uh, it, was, it was about the whole group. And whoever you put in there, Barry Wyndham, Lex Luger, didn't matter. It was still about the group. And to be a great faction, you have to have that. And I don't see many factions these days that really do. We'll, we'll get into factions as we get into the top three here in a second. But seven, you got Okada. Six, you got MJF. Um Five, you got El Hijo del Vikingo, and four, you got Gunther. Now, obviously, you know, Okada, big-time name. Oh, um, so good, dude. Jeez. Yeah. But you got MJF, who I, I don't know. I hate him so much, but that means he's doing his job. Yes. So as far as on the stick and and making people not like you and being a a true um just he lives and breathes MJF like the persona that it is he's the same guy all the time. I got kind of thrown off about him with Adam Cole over this the, this past few months because it wasn't the MJF that I was accustomed to. Um, yep. Hopefully we get back to that, you know, super like, you know, white hot heel that everybody hates because that's my favorite MJF. 
Um, that's what he's at his best for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what, you know, I think that's what makes him the money, you know? Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on Gunther? Gunther being four. Longest reigning intercontinental champion breaks honky talk man's record. Just a big body guy. Just, you know, to me, he's impressive. I love Gunther. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with the name change. I understand why they did it. And now that it's gotten so over the where it is and everybody knows him, like he him himself said he would never go back to his other name because the Gunther name is over. It's really symbolic of who he is. But the, the guy is amazing. He's really good. The only thing I hate about him, and I don't even hate it about him, I hate that he throws those chops because I hate a chop. And those are deadly, the ones that he throws. Look, let me tell they you. Man, I, I, let me tell you. You know you're throwing a good chop when people at home sit there and, and cringe because I, every time he throws one, I just like, I get the, the chills because that's just, it hurts me to watch it and hear it. And, and chops are not fun anyway, even from a guy who's weak and can barely throw one. When you get a monster like that who can generate some velocity and some power behind it, I don't know. That's not a good thing. That's a bad time. Is is that a receipt thing where somebody, you know, gets you a little too stiff so you give them a nice little chop just to kind of say, hey, hey, brother, I, I, I got you. No, my, my thing has always been this. I'm going to treat you how you treat me, and we will go from there. So we'll, we'll handle business however we have to handle it. That's always on my opponent. Like, I don't throw chops. I just don't do it. It's not my thing. I don't care for it. But if you throw one at me, well, that's a different story. You better be ready. You better be ready. Just, I take it personally. I hate it. So top three. Going back to a faction, obviously no longer a faction anymore, but you got John Moxley at three, Roman Reigns at two, Seth Rollins at number one. Obviously, we all know them being in the shield. Um, but I'll ask you, is this the right order? Rollins one, Roman Reigns two, John Moxley three? I think Rollins and Reigns are interchangeable. I think what Reigns has done storytelling-wise has been some of the best stuff WWE has put out in over a decade. He's, I mean, it's been really great. And I know there's a lot of Reigns haters out there, but this dude can go. He can work with anybody. And Seth Rollins is the same way. I don't care for his 57-foot-high uh, moon boots he wears out there and his Galaxian coats and his crazy sunglasses, but the guy can work his butt off. And there's not many better in that ring than Seth Rollins. John Moxley. Yeah. I hate death matches. I think they're stupid. And I think he's super talented. And uh, But I don't think that his death matches should have. I just, I'm not a fan of them. I think it's, in this day and age especially, it's like, dude, you're talented. We get it. You don't have to prove how tough you are. We know. We've seen you out there doing some stuff. And I don't think John Moxley is the three, number three on this list. I don't think he's top ten on this list. Well. You know, when we when we recap, we're going to talk about John Moxley because I got a couple of questions that I got to ask in regards to him. And and don't get me wrong, just like you said, super talented guy. Number three, I don't know. I think two and one are just like you said, super interchangeable. I look at a guy like Seth Rollins who is constantly he's same move set, but kind of kind of different, reinventing himself just yeah. a little bit. 
it reminds me of like a Chris Jericho, just not like still the same guy, but does something a little bit different every so often to make it seem like it's something different. Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Jericho is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I, I just think he's witty. He's funny. He can wrestle. He can go. He, reinvents himself he gets people to like him he gets people to hate you you know whatever it is like he he seems like he can do it all um and i think seth rollins is definitely in that category and for him to be number one i'm okay with that he can wrestle he can go um you put him in there against anyone and it looks right it feels right like you don't have any any grief about him being in a main event against uh, a roman reigns for instance or being in a you know the the in the mid in mid cards against a ricochet or you know opening up a show against shinsuke nakamura like you're good wherever he goes you're just you're happy you get to see a guy like that wrestle so i'm good with him being number one overall that the top 10 is the top 10 whether i agree or disagree i think most of them are about right but i would say the one thing that it, you know, is, is still debatable is what the criteria is and, and how you get to be yeah. the top 10. So um, a good data point, I guess, a good fun thing. And as far as wrestlers go, it sounds like, you know, wrestlers in the past seem to value this list a little bit more than they do now, but I'm sure it's still a big deal to be a part of it and be in the top 10 and be number one. And, and, and people care about that. Um, but I don't think for me as a fan, it takes anything away or adds anything to me being a viewer or a lover of pro wrestling. Like it, it, I could take it or leave oh, yeah. it. You know? and, the, and the thing is, you see people who pop this list open, they're going to have their own their own views on, oh, why, why are any of these guys in the top ten? Why is it the Miz up there? You know, they'll have that opinion. Yeah. And again, um, wrestling is very subjective, so it's not, 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 not a surprise. Well, and, and that's the beauty of wrestling is you want to know, well, my favorite wrestler is Drew McIntyre. Why is Drew McIntyre not in there? You know, you know, Drew McIntyre is not my favorite wrestler, by the way. But some people will yeah. go, well, where's my favorite wrestler? 30. Why are they 30? I want them to be number one. And, and so I think that's cool. That's what's great about this. And, and you can argue it. You could debate it. You can come on a podcast. We can break it down. We can talk about it, you know. So I, I appreciate the list for, for what it is for that, for those reasons. But, Chad, we got to get into the long week of wrestling. We had last Monday, we had Raw. We had NXT on Tuesday. We had Dynamite on Wednesday. We had uh, Rampage and SmackDown on Friday. We had Collision on Saturday. And as we recorded it tonight, there's another Monday Night Raw, which I'm, I'm waiting to watch until after the episode. But... I thought what would be fun is because there's so much wrestling and it's all jammed into one week, I figured the best way to kind of go through it all real quick and just word vomit it all out there is the way Chris Berman does it when he, when he breaks down um, NFL prime time, he goes over all the games and just throws out what happened really quick. So I'm going to try to squeeze this into about five or six minutes. So, you know, bear with me because we're going to try to have a little bit of fun here. But once I'm done, I promise you, we'll we'll spend some time. I'm ask you some questions, breaking it all down because there's some things I need to know, and I need it from a wrestler's perspective. Because you know, a guy like me, you know, we talked about this. I've taken zero bumps, so I don't know. I 
I don't know what it's like to be in that ring and, and the mindset and how things work. So when we get to breaking it down, that's what I want to get from you, is the wrestler's point of view. So if you're ready, I'm ready to break down the week that was. So here we go. It's only fitting that I give us some a little a little bit of music. Chad, here we go. So last week it was jam-packed. There was a lot going on in professional wrestling. And we're gonna start with Monday Night Raw. So it opens up with Jay Uso teaming up with Kevin Owens to take on Finn Balor, Damian Priest. It's a it's a nice little match until Jay accidentally super kicks KO, allowing Judgment Day to win. The next match, Miz defeats Akira Tozawa, you know, getting redemption from the previous week. Gunther and Imperium have a little scuffle with Alpha Academy, but Tommaso Ciampa gets a little jealous and hops in, and he wants some of that action. Where that goes, it's to be determined. Drew McIntyre beats up on Xavier Woods. Who knows why? I don't. Cody Rhodes has a brawl with Dominic Mysterio and J.D. McDonough, the, the middle child who has no idea what he's doing. He just wants some, some airtime, some showtime. He wants some camera time. He gets in the middle of it. You got Shinsuke playing head games with Seth Rollins by attacking Ricochet. So instead of attacking Seth Rollins himself, he attacks Ricochet thinking Seth is going to be mad at that. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But then Monday Night Raw ends with Rhea Ripley defeating Raquel in a rematch for the championship. Rhea, unbeknown to her, has Nia Jax come in, coming back, knocks her out, knocks Raquel out, where are we going? Triple threat. Who knows? Maybe. But then that leads us to Tuesday, NXT. Becky Lynch is really the only thing to talk about. Becky Lynch didn't really have any direction on the main roster. She drops down to NXT and wins the NXT championship over Tiffany Stratton. What is going on? What's going on with Tiffany Stratton? What's going on with Becky Lynch? What's she going to do? Is she going to be a staple on NXT? Or is she going to... You know, defend that title on all the brands. We'll see. Wednesday Night Dynamite, you got John Moxley beating Big Bill to retain the international championship. Moxley doing Moxley things, a lot of blood, a lot of lot of stuff going on, colored up to, to the teeth. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. Adam Cole tells Roderick Strong to stop being so worried about MJF and start worrying about Adam Cole. We get in the ring, Don Callis has... Takashita, known as Alpha now because he's beaten Kenny Omega twice, now has his target set on the IWGP champion Kota Ibushi. Blackpool Combat Club Danielson, Brian Danielson with Claudio Castanoli calls out Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Orange Cassidy then daps up Hook, but Orange Cassidy, you can tell, is still sad about losing his title. Britt Baker steals a win in the Eliminator 4-Way and gets a shot at Soraya next week at Grand Slam for the title. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara face face-to-face -face prior to next week's match. Are they friends? Are they enemies? Do they like each other? Do they not? A lot to be determined. MJF then tells Roderick Strong that Samoa Joe will destroy both of them if he gets a chance to. Hangman beats Brian Cage to set up a match with Swerve Strickland. Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, call out Darby Allen and Sting. 
Samoa Joe goes on to destroy neck brace Roderick Strong, setting up a championship match against MJF. Rampage. Lucha Brothers defeat Hardys. Britt Baker calls out the winner of the TBS championship match against with uh, Chris Statlander taking on Jake Cargill. The Kingdom defeats the Fallen Angel. The Acclaim retain the trio's title. Chris Statlander in the main event defeats Jake Cargill to retain the TBS championship. All signs now are pointing to Jake Cargill leaving AEW, possibly headed to WWE. Collision. Ricky Starks, Big Bill, defeat the Blackpool Combat Club with a low blow from Ricky Starks. Powerhouse Hobbs puts everyone on notice while Miro says, don't worry about it, Hobbs. You guys will meet again. FTR remains tag team titles, remains tag team championship against Iron Savages. John Silver picks up a win against Anthony Bowens with the help of Evil Uno. Eddie Kingston calls out Claudio Castanoli. Posse Open wins their match, then calls out FTR asking if they are watching them. Andrade beats Scorpio Sky. Bullet Club comes out with Jay White and Andrade have to be separated by security. Shibata says he's coming. Basically, he's coming. The Righteous go on to beat the Hardys. Ricky Stark says he has to finish this fiasco known as Brian Danielson. And Chris Statlander re retains against Britt Baker when she rolled up Britt while Britt had Chris in the lot jaw. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more from those two. Finally, bringing us to SmackDown, Pat McAfee opens the show, interrupted by Austin Theory, and then the man himself comes out, The Rock. He ended with a people's elbow from The Rock, and then Pat got his chance to get some shine, given the people's elbow. AJ and Finn Balor, great match. Judgment Day interferes and gets kicked out in the midst. Jimmy Uso, Jimmy Uso calls a distraction, allowing Finn to roll up AJ to get the win. Backstage, Jimmy and Finn are back there. Finn asks Jimmy to get Jay, and both of the Usos join the Judgment Day. You can see Paul Heyman in the back, sneaking around, listening, being his little sneaky self. The Street Profits destroy LWO. We see a little tease for Bobby Lashley versus Rey Mysterio. LA Knight continues his hot streak. He beats The Miz, cutting the promo, saying he is going after the gold. He thinks he's Big Daddy Storm. He's going against, he's, he's going for all the gold. He calls Roman Reigns by name. Oscar uh, defeats Bailey when Shotzi comes out. Grayson Waller ends the show with John Cena as the guest. John Cena doesn't even get a word in. Jimmy Uso comes out to interrupt, and then Solo Sokoa pushes Jimmy, but kicks Cena. Both gang up on Cena, and AJ comes back, and they clean house. And that Big Daddy Storm was was the week of wrestling. It was a that lot. was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, and I need a break. Yeah, but we don't have time for that. So let's break Ooh, it down. We gotta keep rolling. Yeah, man, we gotta keep rolling. Let's let's break it down. So obviously, getting into the nuts and bolts of of some of these shows. Monday Night Raw. All right. Jey Uso teams up with Kevin Owens to take on Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Jey Uso accidentally super kicks KO, allowing Judgment Day to win. I, obviously, you being a tag team champion, how do you feel about tag championships? And, and not just like one set, but like multiple sets in the company. Because you see, you see these guys carrying multiple tag team championship belts. Is that something you're a fan of? Are you a fan of more belts? Or do you think it kind of waters down what the belt actually means? 
I'm a fan of intelligent storytelling. And that goes along with titles, belts, whatever you want to call them. But, like, I don't see the point in having – I've never been one of – that's been a fan of the brand split. We have SmackDown champions and you have Raw champions. Either you're a tag team champion or you're not of the company. Same thing with main titles. I, had to, I hate the look of the belts. I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan of any of those. And I wish that they would make a one universal title, like just like it's supposed to be in each company. And that the belts would look like a championship belt and not like a prop for advertisement of your company. And that these these tag teams, like like me and my partner, we've been dude, we've been tag teaming for a little over a year now. And we gel. And that's all we really do is a lot of tag teams. And we're always talking about things and how we want to do it. We just don't throw two random guys in there, make them a tag team all of a sudden. Then you're going to try to take on two very experienced guys who are a tag team. That makes no sense. You're not, we're not going to operate the same because tag team wrestling is a far cry from singles wrestling. They are not the same muscle. They're different. So when I see these things right there, at least they've got the right team winning because a newly formed team of KO and, and Jay Uso shouldn't work. Not against an experienced team like Damian Priest and Finn Balor are right now. Even though those guys are singles wrestlers themselves. But they have more experience tagging right now than, say, a Kevin Owens and a Jey Uso do together. Well, it's it's kind of it's kind of like they're the Judgment Day. You know, Finn Balor, Damian Priest are placeholders of those tag championships for the time being because Damian Pri- Damian Priest holds the Money in the Bank briefcase. So we know at some point, you know, the odds are. That because we know the history behind cashing in, that you're going to be a champion if you have that. Um, so I just don't see Damian Priest being a guy that is a tag champ and a world champion at the same time. So I think when you when you think about it in terms of that, it's all right. Well, where are they going with the tag championships? Me personally, I would like to see. And, and, and we might get there because there was some inclination of this is AJ Styles and Finn Balor Bullet Club-esque reunion where they have their own faction. Now, you want to you wanna give me an, an AJ Styles and a Finn Balor tag team champion? I'll take that all day. Give me those two guys. Take- give me those two guys against a Sammy, Sammy Zayn and a Kevin Owens. And I'll gladly give you some money for that match. Yeah, and, and I miss the true tag teams out there. Yeah. I just miss the true tag teams. Because yeah. you're, you're a tag team specialist, and that meant something. Because that's it's, it's, a, it's a fine craft that you're having to in and out and know what your partner's going to do and not have to say a word. And therefore, your opponents don't know what's about to come. And we don't have that right now. I mean, your best tag team, you just split them up. Yep. Jimmy and Jay, the new day, they just like, well, we're just not going to keep on running with new day, even though they were so over, it made no sense not to do anything with the new day, but just, you just don't have anybody. Yeah. It's, um, you, you're right. I mean, some of the, when you go back in history, the best tag teams, they were tag team specialists. They were. I mean, you know, even, even when you had trios that, you know, 
did the revolving of the championships within those trios, like, but like the road warriors, like those guys weren't singles competitors. Those dudes were straight up tag team dudes. And for as long as I, I I don't ever remember any of them wrestling in a singles match. I'm sure they probably did, but I don't remember seeing them. Um, They rarely wrestled singles at that time. So you, you going through Monday Night Raw, you you have Miz. He defeats Tazawa. Obviously, you know what we expect. But are you a Miz guy? No. Now I I appreciate what Miz has done and where he's come from, but I was never a Miz guy. He's got the most punchable face in all of wrestling. Is but is that I because he's doing his job? He's great at his job. Yeah. I think he is he is money on the microphone. Um, he works his butt off, and he's not afraid to do what he's supposed to do for the company and for the business. Absolutely. I was just never personally a fan of it. No, I think face. I think if if you know if you there's a there's a difference between liking the Miz as a wrestler and appreciating him as a wrestler. Do I like him as a wrestler? No, absolutely not. Do I appreciate him? Yes. Um, you know he was about building himself back in the day and being a champion. Now he's a company guy. He does whatever they ask him to do, and he does it pretty damn good. Um, yeah. You got Cody having a brawl with Dominic Mysterio and J.D. McDonough. I'm not sure where that's going, but I got to ask you, we, we talked about Cody uh, yeah. you know, should be higher in the, the PWI top 10, but – where do you want Cody to go? Like, where, what is the trajectory you'd like to see him run on? Well, I think they need to give Cody some dominant wins over higher-ranked opponents. And, and as we get into WrestleMania season, which will be after it will be in January, starting at the Rumble. I mean, we need to see Cody go on a fight where he's an actual threat to Roman Reigns to take that title from Roman. Do you think um, he is a... Royal Rumble winner, and that's how he gets the opportunity at, at a championship? Or would you like to see him work his way through it and not have to use the Rumble as the the way to get there? I would prefer him not to have to win the Rumble. That would be a cool thing to win it, sure. But I, I think with the two different belts that you have, or three, ten, depending on how you look at it, is is the rumble? Is the winner of the rumble actually going to get a pick his thing this year? Will they change that, or they say the winner of the rumble gets a shot at the WWE Championship belt held by Seth Rollins or whoever's holding that belt at the time? Yeah, I think that's where where we don't know. Um, I mean, I think in the past it's been you get to choose mm-hmm. who you want to go after. I don't, I don't think in the past it's it's has been like this is the one that you have to go after. I think they've been given the option uh, since they've done a brand split and they had multiple belts. But, you know, whether it's Seth Rollins, I could see the storyline there, um, or Roman Reigns, you can definitely see the storyline there. Um, You could definitely see the storyline if Triple H doesn't allow Cody Rhodes to go after the one that he wants. I don't, I don't know if that gets Triple H back in the ring, but 
tell me uh, a, a Triple H versus Cody Rhodes match, I, I think I'm a little bit invested. Well, that would be good because Cody could carry him what he needed to carry him anyway. Right. And I think you would ain't much carrying you'd have to do a Triple H. He's still in phenomenal shape. But yeah. I, I, because the one factor here that I think we, we tend to overlook is the Gunther factor. Do they see Gunther as your new old school style heel champion that everybody, again, like Roman, everybody's got to struggle to beat? Will this be the guy? Well, has that, as Gunther's, what he's done over the last few months, especially, has that changed the decision making of, you know what? I know we had A, B, and C planned for WrestleMania from, from the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. Here it is. But we've got two X Factors here that we're going to have to change the course a little bit. Because I think they've held off way too long on LA Knight. Yeah. Right. And I know we'll talk about him, but it's, it's, at some point, WWE has to make those decisions. You know, all right, we, we've got to go up the hot hand. We've seen this a few times. Somebody's firing hot. They've just gone up. Great example at uh, Miro. A, a great example of that. You know, you got a guy that's on fire. Fans want to be behind them. But they just shelved because it wasn't their idea. It wasn't their plan to do Right. At the end of the day, you got to make the fans happy. They're your money. That's where it always comes back to. Yeah, and I, I think we alluded to it a little bit is there will be a little bit of of what the fans want a little bit sooner and riding that hot wave because you're right. It, it's This business is driven by the fan. Like, you, you, if you want butts and seats, then you put product out there that the fans want to see. And they'll yeah. they'll go out of their way to make ends meet to come come watch. Um, but closing out Monday Night Raw, Rhea Ripley defeats uh, Raquel in a championship match. Nia Jax comes back. Obviously, they Rhea's beat everybody, so you got to have somebody that is formidable. And I think Nia Jax um, brings that to the table. But I just, I don't know. There's so many things that are negatives when it comes to Nia Jackson. That is, you know, personal stuff, drama stuff. Is she a good wrestler? Is she not? Is she dangerous in the ring? Is she safe in the ring? Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is there's a way to tie her to the bloodline and, and have another layer of the story. So, where do you see this going? I love her. I, I would love her with the bloodline. I can see that. I've never been a not Jax fan as far as her wrestling goes because she is clumsy. She's clumsy and she's dangerous in the ring. But I would love to see her as part of the bloodline if they're still going to run the bloodline, really. And then. But the problem is that you have to have someone to go against that, and and who is that that will do that for you? Does real does real Ripley go full face? You know what's got to happen there. Well, I, I'll I'll bring another person up to you when when we get there. But let's let's keep plugging away. NXT. Really, the big thing with NXT Tuesday night was Becky Lynch. Uh, 
takes on Tiffany Stratton, the NXT Women's Champion, and beats her. So now Becky Lynch is the NXT Champion. So you go from Becky Lynch being the highest of the highs in the man and got this great gimmick and this great persona, a Nia Jax boo-boo accident that created this. But nonetheless, where is she going? And is it, does it degrade or not degrade, but like, does it diminish NXT or what Becky Lynch is if she's going to NXT to win a championship or is she going there to build them up or is she going there to run across all three brands with the NXT championship taking on whoever? I think I think the biggest thing out of that is that it does diminish the NXT brand. Because now what you're saying is other NXT people are good enough to carry the, the title, and that means there's nobody else on that roster good enough to get in the ring with her. So we have to bring in a former big time champion out there from the main roster, and she goes out there and beats her. And, and I just think you diminish everybody on your on your roster when you're doing things like that. I think it's also one of the reasons Cody Rhodes didn't win the WWE Championship when he first came in for Roman Reigns. Right. It makes your rest of your roster look weak. Well, I think... Yeah, I think, too, is they've done a really good job of trying to make NXT, or at least they did for a while, of being the third brand and not making it the developmental, like, the minor league system. Yeah. But now it almost seems that way because when you do get to the main roster, Gunther being a prime example, you don't even get to keep your name. You get to come in as somebody totally different. And it's like, how do you, like, like what's the X play? I don't understand that whole thing. Yeah, I hated, I hated that when you would come from an outside company, a right. true outside company, and I hated the name change. And it makes zero sense to me why you do that within the same company. Like, dude, we've been watching the products. We get it. We know who that guy is. What are you doing? Right. It's just insulting. That to me is insulting. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's insulting to the fans. It's it's insulting their intelligence. You know, for real. Um, moving on, AEW Dynamite Wednesday night. John Moxley beats Big Bill to retain international championship title. So I told you I was going to come back to this. And I got to ask you, John Moxley bleeds in every match. And not just like a little cut on the arm or the, the leg. It's like face and it's everywhere. And it's he's just the crimson mask every match. What's your take on blood and and how it factors into wrestling? One of those reasons blood all the time. I don't think it's needed. Those are special occasions where you you're at war. This is a culmination of this war we are going through. Why are you bleeding all the time? Because now you just do a death. You're just doing again. You're going back to the death match thing. So we're just showing how tough we'd be. I'm going to bleed all the time. I'll get all that sympathy that way. And John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose is way too good to have to do all that stuff. But he does it, and maybe he enjoys it. It's his favorite thing in the world to do. That's crazy. 
but I'm not I'm not a fan of those sorts of things because blood when you when you when someone gets bloody and beat that means they've just been put through it. There's no it's it's a hard thing to come back from when you're doing that. But now it's like, well, this dude's just really soft because every time I hit him, he bleeds. Do you think it's like so when I think of like it's almost the expectation, almost like the Dudleys. When the Dudleys came out, people expected somebody to get put through a table. That's right. And so now it's almost like the fans are expecting John Moxley to bleed. And I guess like if you go to a show, like you want to see what you want to see. But like to me, I agree with you. I think it makes him look soft and weak. He is a tough guy. We know that. I think what would be crazy is if the tough guy didn't bleed and it took a lot to get him to bleed. And I'll give you an example. Eddie Kingston, you don't see him bleeding all over the place. No. And he and, and he is the, the epitome of, of the persona of a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know, like he's borderline prickish, but he's also like, you know, I'm I'm from I'm from the streets, bro. Like I, I'm gonna get after it and we're gonna get down and we're gonna fight, and I'm a fighter, and even he doesn't bleed like so no. it, it it makes me wonder, like, how much of a hit does John Moxley take every time he goes out there? Is it taken away from him as a character or as a pro wrestler when he goes out and does that? Well, it, to me, it's like a lot of things too. Some guys just get off on, like, I'm gonna bleed and it's gonna be great, and I can't wait to go out there and do it because the fans are gonna love it, and they will love it. For the first few times. But then it'll be like, ah, oh, he's bleeding again. Ah, it's just what he does. He bleeds. That's his whole gimmick. He bleeds. Nobody cares. Nobody will care eventually. Yeah. Because. So we got. So I'm, I'm not a fan, buddy. No, me me either. So, I, I think it, it. if you want to have a culminating match where it's like a cage match or. You know, some type of like we've been through five or six different matches and now we're in a no holds bar, no disqualification match, and somebody bleeds. Cool. I'm, I'm for that because you, you set that up. But just don't bleed for the sake of bleeding. Um, but I'll ask you, Don, Don Callis. So, so Don Callis says Takashita is now known as Alpha because he's beaten Kenny Omega twice in a week. And now, you know, Alpha's yeah. target is is Koto Ibushi. What is your take on New Japan Pro Wrestling? Is it, you know, obviously not a lot of people you know, here know a lot about, unless you're just a diehard wrestling fan, knows much about New Japan Pro Wrestling. But there is some legit talent that comes from there. That's, that's because those guys are not afraid to do everything it takes for the business. Japan, for all the flashy stuff they've incorporated into their product, they them suckers will light you up. They're tough, and you got to be tough to go over there and do the thing over there because it's a different kind of fan base. And when you come out of Japan working, even if you go over here, you get polished up in Japan because it's a different style you have to learn. It's a different toughness and a different mental toughness you have to endure if you're going over to that side of the world and to do this business 
and it is not for everybody to be able to do that. I'm not going. I never get. I'm, I enjoy doing what I do here in the states. There's no way I would go over there and do that. But you make great money. It's a whole different mindset, and you have to learn a whole new skill set if you're going to go over there and work with those guys. But New Japan is a great organization. I think if, if you want to see some cool stuff and some different things, because there's decades of worth it out there all the way up till now, I think I think the fans should check it out. For sure, um, talent, just spectacle. You know, it's 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 a different kind of wrestling, but it's it's definitely like impressive to me and. Would I want to go there? No, absolutely not. I'll take those guys coming here all day. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're seeing an influx. And one of the things that I, I do appreciate from AEW is they do intertwine the two wrestling organizations so that, you know, Americans can get a glimpse of what New Japan Pro Wrestling is all about because they get to see some of those guys and they get to see their favorite wrestlers go there. Um, but... The, the next thing I want to ask you about is from Rampage is, you know, the Lucha Brothers and the Hardys defeat Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Butcher, and the Blade. How long is Jeff Jarrett going to wrestle? Well. Yeah, and what, 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 are, what are your thoughts on Jeff Jarrett being a, it, a club I, city I love guy? Jeff. I love Jeff. Jeff is love. And people have varying opinions on Jeff. One thing you can't take away from him is he he was he started out as a referee, and, and he grows up to make his own career path without Daddy's help, and took over Daddy's company and made it work for a long time. I, I like Jeff. Jeff can still go. He bumps his butt off. I mean, the only redeeming quality of Ric Flair's final match was Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett's the only reason that even remotely worked. And I think Jeff can still go, and he has a lot to contribute, and he's very smart to the business. People don't like to hear it about it because people have an opinion one way or the other, but the guy's very smart about the business. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure him being in the ring, you know, is is one thing, but him just being around a young company like AEW is probably worth its weight in gold just because of the experiences he's been with and been around and been through. I mean, obviously the guy has been, you know, sustained himself for decades. So he's got s something to give. Um, and then uh, that's the thing, but you know, you know, have you noticed, and I'll ask you this real quick. And I don't want to get off of, this, of the deal here, but so AEW has a lot of this. this AEW's biggest problem is they don't listen to a lot of these vets who know how to work this business and be successful for a company. On the, on the level they're trying to get to. I realize they had that big show, 80,000 people strong, but that's one show. They have to learn to continually knock it out of the park. You can't let the inmates run the asylum if you're going to have a successful company. Yeah, I don't. All right, so we're going to, I guess we should, we should go there for a few minutes. Obviously, CM Punk said yep. some things. You know, Jack Perry said some things, and there's two yeah. two sides of this of this story. One oh, yeah. one is those that are with CM Punk that you know, veterans of the locker room are going to tell you how it is, and you got to respect it and you got to do it. And then new school guys like Jack Perry don't want to hear that shit. They don't yeah. care, and. Yeah. They want 
what's what's entitled to them now. Um, obviously, I'm I'm not there, nor was I present, and I'm sure most of the truth is out. But it, I'm sure there's a little bit that's not. But AEW consistently has locker room problems, and so this isn't a one-off. This is something that is constantly a problem. So. I think you got to fix it and, and where there's smoke, I'm sure there's fire. And so I'm, I'm sure this ain't just a nothing thing. I'm sure there are definitely issues. So what, what would you say is the, is the fix here? Is it just having veterans or is it, do they need to get rid of some of these young guys to prove a point? I think it's leadership at the very top. And I start with Tony Khan. Tony Khan cannot go through here and be one of the boys. He's the owner. He's the boss. He cannot be one of the boys. That's especially when you're dealing with this kind of thing, right? It's like different than doing like a podcast company, for instance, right? You let your host do their shows and, and stuff like that because that's their area of expertise and where they're fun at. But wrestling is a different monster. It, it's kind of like any professional sport. You got to have the guy on top to make those decisions. Yes, no, I get it. I like you good person but look i'm not having this in my company give with the program and you get out i'm paying you to be here not vice versa i'm hiring you to do a job do your job or hit the bricks but that's not what's happening in AEW. AEW, because you got the broskies up there and i don't mean that as towards a rider but you know you got these guys who are out there as, as friends run as just vp and name only really making decisions that are horrible, acting like they're two-year-olds. Like, this whole thing with CM Punk was stupid to begin with when it first started. It only got even more even with uh, Jack Perry. Did. We all know CM Punk can be rough around the edges. There's no question he's probably a smartass when he said the comment he made about the windshield. Yeah, He wasn't wrong about it. <laughs> he wasn't wrong about it. But that's just how his personality is. You know that when you bring him in there. But that's the thing. You got. You're not. You're going to have personalities that you don't want to deal with. But if you're a professional, you deal with them because that's in your job description. Well, I don't have to like you to do my job. And I, I Tony Khan does not separate that. I also think too, like you know, there there's a lot of like comments about Tony Khan when he makes these special announcements and he's on camera. He just looks like he's so uncomfortable and out of place. But you're right. I think he is a guy who has a deep love for pro wrestling, but instead of running the company, he's trying to be friends with all the people in the yeah, company. Yeah, and it's a problem that's going to end up costing him. I mean, it already has. Yeah, I mean, you, you had a, a, a talent that was, you know, it's CM Punk is, is, is a name, he's a talent, and he's a mind, and he's going to put butts in seats, especially when one of your biggest – draws is the Chicago area. Like he right. himself is going to sell out the United Center every night if yep. you have him there. And he was the reason why Collision was able to garner such ratings is because they knew that CM Punk was going to be on there every Saturday night. Exactly. Um, and, and why do you keep poking the bear the way you do and hoping that things change? I'll never understand, but they can't be due. They've got to get in there. He's He's going to have to save his own company. I can't. And I know his, his dad's not a dumb person. No. I mean, his dad you know, knows what it takes to run a successful business. He's got to tell, teach your son something, buddy. 
I mean, you know, his dad had no problem getting rid of Urban Meyer as the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I mean, that's a much greater decision and a higher paycheck than a Jack Perry, you know. So I, I, I think the business acumen is there and what to do. Like, there, that's there. It's just you got to decide. Do you want to be friend or you want to be boss? But that's um, right. As we keep plugging away, um, we had on Collision, we had, and, and I'm saving SmackDown um, for the last, but on Collision, Andrade beats Scorpio Sky. Bullet Club comes out with Switchblade Jay White. Him and Andrade have to be separated by security. All right, first and foremost, I can't stand on wrestling when security comes out there and separates people. That's one thing that just is just dumb to me. And it, it the it's like the the weakest security unit on planet Earth, but also contract signings are another thing that I just don't like. But I I digress. My question to you is the Bullet Club. What's your take on the Bullet Club? How do you feel about the Bullet Club? Do you want to see them garner some popularity throughout AEW and be as big of a thing that they that as they are in New Japan? I love the original Bullet Club. I love their attitude. I love their moxie. I love how they carried themselves. Right? They were a force to be reckoned with. What made it popular? The new version, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it still. If they could get back to what they were and, and make it work and make me believe that, okay, these cocky little punks right here, they just out here thinking they own everything. I can get invested in that, but I don't. I don't see it. I don't. I don't see how that's. I'm not. Is the problem? I try to watch it. I'm like, I'm just not invested in this yet. I, I, I don't know. And maybe it's just me. I mean, it could very well be. But that's just. I, I love the originals, and this is hurt my soul right here to watch this. I think you need to see them more. Like you need to see them on every AEW show. It doesn't have to be in a match. It doesn't have to be in this full-blown segment, but just hanging around in the back, just seeing what's up, just letting everybody know, hey, the Bullet Club is here. Something yeah. might happen or something may not happen, but just know the Bullet Club's eyes are on everybody, so be on notice. And I think the more they can incorporate them that way, the more people start going, all right, well, what is this all about? Then you have something big happen with them or to them creating some type of, of major story right now. I don't think there's a major story for them. So they're just kind of like a, like that. you know, they're just kind of an afterthought. Well, like if you take the NWO and NWO first started, it was great because you never knew what was about to happen. So oh, this is, this is about to get crazy. But then they got it oversaturated. It was like, Oh, I don't care. Take those lessons. Yeah. Make the bullet club mean something like you're talking about. And they'll have a hit on their hands. I agree. I agree. So riding into SmackDown Friday night, I mean, I obviously I I listened to Pat McAfee. I heard the rock on the show. I knew he was going to be on game day. But as far as being on SmackDown on, on Friday night, I had no idea. So it was nice to be tuned in and see my boy Pat McAfee, you know, kicking yeah. off the show. And then Austin Theory. God, Austin Theory is so good. Like, I, I don't I tremendous. mean, just. He, is, I love to hate him, and that's how I know that he's that good. Yeah. 
and they are putting a lot of faith in here in him because they bring the rock out and the rock i mean granted the the you know austin theory's now taking a stunner from stone cold and the people's elbow from the rock you know he's taking an aa from john cena but you're talking about three guys that are possible if not definite mount rushmore guys and you're oh, in no the doubt. ring with them and yeah. yeah you're taking their finishers but you're going toe-to-toe on the microphone with the rock you're going toe-to-toe on the microphone with john cena you're in the ring with stone cold it doesn't get much better than that they're putting a lot of faith in this guy i think you know he he might be the next thing i don't know but they're definitely set, setting them up there he's good he is incredible. I love watching Terry work. He's smooth in the ring. Like you said, his mic skills have gotten phenomenal. And they weren't just really bad anyway. But he's not afraid to be out there. And the Steve Austin thing helped him out tremendously. Yeah. And, and when you add Pat Maxby into the business, I love Pat. Do I you, love Pat Maxby. He's what's great. Your, what's your thoughts on The Rock? Are you a Rock fan? Are you glad to see yeah, him? Yeah, I always have been. I've yeah. always been a Rock fan. Because The Rock was the first one just to say whatever. You're like, can we, can we say that? What is he talking about, right? And it was entertaining. Because you always wanted to see what, what kind of stupidity is he about to come up with that's going to make me laugh and really that, pop hard. That, that's, a nice, right yeah, that's a nice segue into what my next question was. Is, all right. SmackDown. I have a huge problem with this. The Rock can say bitch ass on the microphone and it doesn't get muted but (laughs) the fans can't chant holy shit without being muted yeah like it almost got to a point where i was getting pissed off because it was it was taken away from the segment because the guys were muted and their microphones were muted and you couldn't really hear everything they were saying because they were trying to keep you from hearing what the crowd was chanting. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> I, I just say this, like, Fox, give me a break. If The Rock can say it, then everybody can say it. You know? Like, but, and that's their deal, dude. It's you know, because the WWE is so child-friendly now. Because they know that's their bread and butter. I mean, they, they make a ton of money from all the merch the kids. And they know the parents have to bring the kids. So I get it. I get it. I understand it. Well, and you However, know, you know I how it is. That is dumb. If if you want a sustainable product, you always got to be marketing to the younger audience. Yep. Because if you suck them in and make them fans for life, then you're always going to be having. And that's why I say uh, WWE can be vanilla at times, but I understand why. Like it is a business. And you want to get kids, and I appreciate that, you know, because at some point I want to take my kid to an event, and I want it to be an event that they enjoy. But I also exactly. want it to be some of the things that I like too. So, um, you know, moving past that, you know, Jimmy, I'll just say this, the Usos. What are we doing? Jimmy Uso's in it uh, with, with AJ Styles and Jay is in it with Judgment Day. I just, I don't know who's doing what or where this is going. Um, 
or is this just a road that's going to eventually lead us back to the bloodline? I would not be surprised if everything we've seen has been a red herring. All right. Jay's not really mad at Jim or Solo or Roman. It was a plan all along. That wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me if they pulled that card. Of course, it could be that Jay's just like, I'm tired. I want to wrestle on my own, see what I can do. And if he gets over it, great. If he doesn't, they'll bring him back into the bloodline and say it was a plan all along. So I, I, they're the best, some of the best workers in the company, though. Yeah. I mean, they, when it when it's all said and done, you think Usos go down as one of the best tag teams ever? By far. By far. I mean, they, they've done nothing but become tag teams, dude. They, that's been their whole deal, right? This whole time has been their tag team status. Yeah. So uh, I don't. Those guys, they don't even have to. They don't have to talk about anything, bro. They just flow from one thing to the next. This is a minor thing. It's, I say it's minor. It's not really minor. It pisses me off. I hate throwing seventy four super kicks in a match. The Heart Foundation didn't have to do anything. Once you got hit with that little running clothesline, and Ample held him up, and Red hit him with it, and then all of a sudden here comes the the um, sharp shooter. It was over, right? There wasn't there wasn't a bunch of that. Um, Shawn Michaels hit you with one super kick, you were done. Going way back before that, Chris Allen, where we first learned what a super kick was, you were out. I just don't. I think if they want to truly be the best tag team, I think they're already up there. There's not many people. There's none now that's better than them. There's nobody out there now that's better than the Usos. No. On, on a tag level, the way they are right now, you can't touch those guys. And, that, and, and look, and, here, and here's the thing. I have become more and more adept at, at tag team wrestling, right? And, and the ins and outs of what it takes. And I said at the beginning of this, I'm old school. I love old school wrestling, and that's how we do it. We're not fancy. You got to go in there and do it. And outside of Brody myself, and when I try to justify who, what tag team is great, it's the only tag teams that are able to go in there on a weekly basis. And you know that this other team is going to have to work their butts off to get over on these guys. It's going to take something extra because they're just so good at what they do. And that's why I think this shows are absolutely one of the best just around, period. I mean, you never know what they're going to pull out. They can do it from all angles. And I think that makes them great. They're one of those tag teams where you're never mad when they win. Even if they beat your your team or whoever you're wanting, you know, whoever they're facing, if you don't want the Usos to win and the Usos end up winning, you understand. So they're that yep. damn, they're just that damn good. Um. I want to talk a little bit about L.A. Knight before we we wrap this thing up. We mentioned him, you know, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, how hot he was and how over he was, and he's still to the point where he's there. He actually cut a promo. He beats the Miz. He cuts a promo and he he calls out a few different guys with championships by name, and you know, it puts emphasis on Roman Reigns. So I'll ask you, as from a wrestler's, you know, point of view, if you're hot and you're that over, where should you go for the top, or is there like justification for him to 
chase a U.S. title or an intercontinental championship? I, I think, and that depends really because with your top spots, with it being two different championships, that he'll have to he would have to go the word Reigns or uh, Rollins. I don't know how you. The problem with a guy like L.A. Knight is the fans want him pushed. Most of the guys want him pushed. But upper management is trying to hold him back. I, I don't think Triple H is. I think that's a Vince thing more than anything else. And maybe a couple other guys. But L.A. Knight, you need – he needs a title because he can make the title relevant. The title's not going to make L.A. Knight. But he can actually make your title relevant, which automatically seals him into a deal – for the next tier. So why not him and Guthrie for the Intercontinental Championship or going for the U.S. Championship? Why not do something like that? It would only help the company. It's going to help the storyline. You're going to keep L.A. Knight relevant until you're ready for him to go after the big one. And then you have a decision to make, is he going to be the guy that carries it? I don't think they'll do that. Because I'll ask you this, Daniel, when you look at that WWE roster, who up there is really the biggest threat? And the legitimate threat to beat Roman Reigns. Honestly, it's I don't see one, and that's that's the problem. I and and a lot of it is because he's beaten everybody that they've put in front of him. And yeah, it's taken that's correct two years time and not a whole lot of matches. But I don't want to see another Drew McIntyre. You know, I. Seth Rollins has got his own thing, even though I, I think that would be my choice if Seth Rollins wasn't a champion. Um, but, you know, Gunther being one of them, but, he, you know, he, he's got his own thing. If that concludes and we pass that championship over to someone else, then, yeah, like I think that's, that's a great match. But I think to, to answer your question, when I think about, all right, who could be the face and beat Roman Reigns? I don't see any of those guys. The only guy that I see is 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 Jimmy or Jay. And that's only because like the storyline has allowed me to believe like they could actually do something like that. But I don't think they're they're not the face of that company. And I don't think WWE would let that happen. So that's why you get these names like The Rock coming back and and constantly in the title picture and you know even Cody to some extent like is he the guy? I, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, yep. And that's a question. That's a big one. That, that, you're right. That's the money question. And I think a lot of the reason why the this bloodline story has gone on and been so long is because they got to decide, well, what what's going on next? What are we doing? Um, you know, the, the last thing I'll end with is we talked about you know, Rhea Ripley and a lot of the same things. She's just beaten everybody. And now you got Nia Jax coming. But when it comes to someone formidable, I think Jade Cargill from AEW, now she's she's done. She's headed out. I think she, body-wise, is someone that you can put her in the ring next to a Rhea Ripley, next to a Charlotte Flair, next to 
anybody and you go, holy shit, that's, that's power, that's strength, that's, that's the total package. My only question with someone like Jade Cargo, do I think that she's going to WWE? Yes, because I think she's money. And I think from a business standpoint, it's either now or never. But I'm not sure about the yeah. wrestling part of it. Because we all know Charlotte is the best wrestler. But can someone like Jade stay in a wrestling match with someone like Charlotte? despite the look and despite them stacking up and looking like she can beat her, but can she wrestle with her? Can she make it look believable? I think Charlotte is so good. It's so head and shoulders above everybody else. But it, it would work with Charlotte, but, and Rhea's fine in her way. She has, she has really come a long way and she's really good, but it would be a different kind of match. And, and that's where my question, biggest question is, because I'm a real Ripley fan. She's she's badass and she, she has put down a lot of but is she good enough to carry that load that way to have a match that will be comparable? Because you're always gonna have to compare any female championship wrestler to Charlotte Flair. And we had an argument um with a buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago about Charlotte Flair. Well, she's just there because she's Rick Flair's daughter. No, she's not. She's that damn good. She's super athletic. She's more athletic than most of the guys on the roster. And she just naturally took to it because it's not a business she wanted to do. But she, once she decided she was going to do it, she threw herself into it. You can have genes from a lot of persons, a lot of people, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. Look at all the failures of second, third generation wrestlers. So, Charlotte's your top dog. And that's yeah. a big shadow to live up to for any of these female wrestlers to come in and try to overcome. I mean... For her, if if she was half as good as she is now, you would have been like, that's that's pretty good. Yep. Especially with exactly what you just said. Like all that she has to live up to, the name and who she's associated with, you're not you're not talking about just someone who held a championship. You're talking about the greatest of all time, possibly. Oh yeah. You know, and when you start saying, Well, She's the daughter of the greatest of all time. She has to be the greatest of all time. Well, no, she doesn't. But guess what? She might be. And that's crazy to even think. Um, it's like a, like a LeBron James or a Bryce Harper, guys who are these prodigies as kids, and they end up living up to the hype. And it, it's just unbelievable to see, like, if they were half as good as we thought they were going to be, they would still be pretty good. And the same thing with Charlotte Flair. She's, she's yep. unbelievable. She's definitely the best women's wrestler on the roster. Um, I think having, you know, someone formidable is great, but they got to be able to wrestle with her. Um, yeah, but to answer your question, you bring Jade over and her and Rhea go at it, that's going to be a money match. Yeah, It may not be the prettiest match. But it'll be a money match that people will buy tickets to see. Yeah, and I think you can put I, I think one of the things that would work in Jade's favor is having the machine and some money and some lights and some entrance and just this thing behind her. Yep. Um but yeah, having her come over I think would be an asset and and, and I probably foresee that happening sooner than later. But Big Daddy Storm, 
we got to put a bow on this thing, man. Let's uh, let's wrap wrap this thing up. We got some. Obviously, we're we're trying to do wrestling at least once a month. So we got a couple of pay per views coming up before our next show. So I, I want us to be ready. October first, you got AEW Wrestle Dream in Seattle, and then October seventh, you got WWE Fastlane, and then we will record right after that. So um, I think. You know, obviously, fast lane. We we kind of know what we're gonna get. It's kind of an in in between, you know, pay per view or a premium live event that we're gonna get prior to Survivor Series. Um, yes, absolutely. I hope we get you know War Game Survivor Series. I hope you know you get something good. Like what I would love to see is like a a, a bloodline back with like a AJ. Finn Balor, Bullet Club-esque, but Good Brothers, like, just get after oh, yeah, the match, yeah. That'd you know? be cool. Maybe Finn, AJ, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and, you know, Usos, Solo, Roman. Like, I think I could get down for that. But either way, yeah, either way, when we come back, you know, in October, we're going to be talking about those two pay-per-views. We're going to be getting ready for Survivor Series. But is there anything that you want to see between now and then? Any storylines that you hope come to fruition or anything or anyone that you're looking forward to kind of moving their way up or seeing what happens? I'll tell you what. I want to see – oh, geez. My mind just went blank. But – oh, is it uh, Brock? Not Brock. Um, What's the kid's name? Steiner. Oh, Braun or Braun Breaker. Yeah, Braun Breaker. I don't know why I cannot think of Braun Breaker. I hate that he went to Braun Breaker. But yeah. Braun comes in. Braun's, I think they're going to eventually have to cut him loose on the main roster and just him go wreak havoc. He's really good at what he does. I mean, I want to see what the kids got at that level. Take him out of NXT. It's time. Yeah. Put him up there with the big boys and let's see what he can actually do now. Because he's got the pedigree, he's got the talent. We you see know, flashes of brightness on NXT from a kid. You, you, you know who would bring out the best of Braun Breaker? Austin Theory. Oh, I agree. You put That's those two guys. Yeah, you put those two guys together. You're gonna force one. You're you're putting him against a. a, a not the top of the top, but a guy that's working his way up. But he's just going to elevate Braun Breaker to be ready to be a main guy. Um, but then, like, you could take that a number of different ways. But I would like to see that. That'd be that'd be pretty sweet. Um, you know. But yeah, I think you're right. Someone like Braun Breaker coming coming back in the fold, seeing what's up. One of the guys I want to see is. What are we doing with Carmelo Hayes? Is he's like I think he's ready. I think he's he's a guy that like they they tease him on the main roster. He's been on the main roster, but yeah, he's NXT champion. So I don't really know what they're gonna do with him. But eventually, he's gonna have to lose in order for him to get moved up. But like I would like to see him. Like where where are we doing with him? Yeah, um, he's got lots of talent. Yeah, I don't know what the holdup is in some of this. I, I think it's 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 I think it's good um, because they I think they're starting to learn a few lessons about 
bringing people up with no storyline for them to get into. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the Viking Raiders were the war Raiders in NXT, and they were top of the card as far as tag teams go. They changed their name, moved them down, didn't really have any direction, and now they're, they're kind of floating in this yeah. no man's land. Well, hopefully they won't do that with these other kids because I yeah. think they're fantastic talents. Absolutely, for sure. All right, chat. Last call. Plug and promote time, man. You you guys are headed back to the Bluff City. You got gold on your mind. What's next? Where are you at? Where can people find you? All right, so Saturday, September 23rd, me and this guy back here. Can't hardly see him. Be back there. Trust me. My tag there he is. Brody Hawk. We're coming back to the bluff, taking care of our business. Then we got our sights set on a lot of other gold up there in Bluff City. MIW Milton, Tennessee on Friday nights. Champion, champion. We The gold we stack is unbelievable. We're going to keep doing that. I've got OWO on the 23rd. I got Bluff City TV taping Saturday. That night, I've got to travel down to OWO, North Pontotoc, take care of business there. You never know where we're going to pop up at. We're all over the place. Just be ready. Before I got to say one thing, there's a Badass shirt you got on right there. <laughs> That's right. Cowboys. How about them cowboys? You know, I That's right. Two and oh, baby. That's right. It's a sports podcast. We talk wrestling, but we talk other sports. So this is a chance for us to talk cowboys real quick. I'm excited. I am excited. Like you know, when you when when they go and they beat beat down the Giants, obviously, you know, a divisional game, you always want to win those. But when you win it that way, and your offense looks good and your defense is stellar, um, you're like, all right, was it just adrenaline of the first game? Was it you put the guy Giants in a hole? But then you come back the next week and you 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 take on, you score some points against a, a good defense. Obviously, the Jets aren't the same without Aaron Rodgers, but you can only play who's in front of you, man. And, you know, they, they stepped up 2-0, and a good start to the season. They got a, a down Cardinals team, which they should should win. And then, you know, all indicators are that they should be undefeated when they take on the 49ers in a couple weeks. So that's that's, that's my hope. Game. And that's, that's going to be the game. game. It's going to be the biggest test, and that's the team that, they got to learn to get by in order to win a championship. So yeah, because that that team right there is no slouch. No, Four are really good. Uh, but here's the thing: Mike, who's the handful? Mike is the handful. Oh, he is hands down the the. He disrupts a lot. He is a guy, you know. He's he's much like you know the 49ers, a Bosa type guy that. He makes it tough for offensive coordinators to plan because he's just athletic. He can do it all. You can't really plan for him because he's so good. He can figure out how to still hurt you. But, yeah, I'm excited. The season looks good. We've got to keep everyone healthy, looking good, upbeat. The only one thing that I'll say that we have to do a better job on is red zones – Conversions into touchdowns. Oh my god, I'm not pissed out of this. Yeah, it's it's you can't you can't get down there and then get stuffed and then you end up kicking five field goals like that. That bothers me. Um, I gave you the fifty burger. Oh, definitely, 
Definitely. I mean, we were, you know, we had a, a, a Tony Pollard touchdown brought back for a holding that ended up resulting in a field goal. I think there was a, another penalty where we scored a Ferguson, I think, scored a touchdown on a pass and it was called back for something. Yep. And that resulted in a field goal. So there's two touchdowns there that end up being three instead of seven. And, you know, like a team like the Jets that's down offensively with a bad quarterback, like you can get away with that. But a team like the 49ers or, you know, even like, like if, 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 if you want to talk like NF or AFC teams, like the, the Chiefs are in close games for that reason. They're not taking advantage of red zone opportunities. They they went they they won, but um, you know the Bills. You know even your your biggest divisional foe, the Eagles. They're going to make you pay if you don't score touchdowns and you settle for field goals. So, yep. you know I, I don't want to harp too much on the negative, but if if one thing's going to get better, I think that's it, and I think they know that, and I, I think. Gonna be a good offensive week coming up. So. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Gotta stay positive. That's right, baby. All right. Let me hit this outro so we can get out of here. Big Daddy Storm, I appreciate you as always. Love you, brother. Thanks for for joining Love us you, tonight. Um, forward to the next. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing how much gold that you can acquire between now and next episode. That's that's my lot. that's my task for you to just go okay. out. You know, I got you. get your little mining pan. I want you to sift it out and see how many belts can come out of there. It's going to be a big-ass mining pan. Let's go. Let's day. go. I can't wait. Hey, if you like hearing us talk wrestling or you just like hearing Average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, hearts, hugs, love. We'll take it all, and we'll see everybody on Wednesday night where we got episode 20. We're going to be talking LSU soccer. That's right. We're bringing soccer back. We got to talk to the girls from LSU, but more specifically, we're going to be talking to Maya Gordon. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.